It's good to be in the Lord's house today, is it not? Okay, so two of you agree. That's good. (laughs) I guess we could do better than that, right? (laughs) Hey, before I get started here, uh, I got some really cool news to share with you as a church family. Uh, We've been wondering when to do it, and today seems like a good, good day to do it. Uh, uh, some news about what our, what's going on with our family. We're taking a huge step of faith. Uh, I should start out by saying that Jessica is not pregnant. Um, <laughs> every time I've shared this with somebody, they immediately assume that, so I made sure that I would dispel that on the front end. Uh, but on, on the same token, uh, we will, Jessica and I, Lord willing, will be uh, having another child in our family in 2020. Um, we have uh, decided, the Lord has laid on our heart to adopt uh, a little girl from China. Uh, she's two years old. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's exciting, it's uh, scary. There's a lot of people here, praise the Lord that have walked this path before us and we're walking with them. So uh, we just ask, she's, uh, the girl we're moving toward is two years old and as we can share more, I'll share more with you as we can along the journey. Uh, as far as a name and a picture, we wanna do that. We just have to take it at certain strides, but uh, God put it on our heart. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a step of faith and um, be praying for us, if you would. Uh, this is uh, this is the, how do I say this? I think Jessica said it best. She thought that de- making the decision, well, actually just surrendering to God uh, was the hard part, but actually it got harder <laughs> after that, as, as uh, people in here can attest. But uh, we're moving through the home study process right now, those of you that know that, what that is. And uh, we are praying and really praying that in the spring of next year that uh, we'll have another little girl for you to, for you to meet. So be praying with us, and I'm excited to share more with you. Um, I wasn't going to share this before I preached, because all of you would just be thinking about that the whole time, but uh, wanted to share nonetheless. So before we go into the message this morning, can we say a word of prayer again? Heavenly Father, I thank you for, uh, for this church family. I thank you for those that are here this morning for the first time that they've decided to come here and to see what we're all about, Lord. I pray that your presence is felt by them, that they see that we are a people that love you deeply. Because we do, Lord. You are the rock of ages. You are the one who holds us when we're weak and that you're the foundation from which we live. Lord, as we go before you this morning, as we go to your word, as As we sit at your feet, I would just pray that you would speak through me. I don't have the ability to to do this on my own. I would ask that you would take my my lips and my tongue and that nothing I would say or do would take away from, from this position as pastor of your church. Lord, I ask that we would have hearts that would be open to what you have to say, ears that are ready to listen and feet that are, hands and feet that are ready to put this into life motion. Lord, I pray that this would be a time where your spirit would transform us from the inside out. Lord, I pray for our kids as uh, many of them are in their last week of summer that uh, their parents can make it through one more week 
and that the kids uh, can get ready for school to start in, in next week, Lord. I, uh, I lift all those, those up to you. I lift up the people that aren't here this morning, that can't make it because of sickness or illness. Lord, even right now, I would just ask that you would touch them with your healing power and that you would restore them to health so that they could be with us. We give this time to you, Lord, in the sweet name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So if you haven't been here this, this past, uh, I think it's six weeks now we've been in this series, called God Never Said That and What the Bible Really Does. Throughout this series, we've been looking at different verses or different things that are popular things to say within Christianity or within the United States that people say and, and asking the question, okay, if this is in the Bible, is that really what it means? Or maybe it's not even in the Bible and God really never said that. And so we've been doing this over the past six weeks and today's no different. Uh, but before we get to that, you know, one of the most difficult things I think for me as a dad was this time in my life and with, with my kids when uh, they were, you know, usually about two, one and a half, two, three, where I would go to help them with something and they would say, no, I can do it, right? And it's kind of tough, it was kind of tough for me because like, just a secret between me and all of you, uh, I kind of can control things sometimes, right? And like, is there anything more excruciating than watching your child pour milk? <laughs> can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> right? Like, I can do it. You're like, no, you can't. Um, you know, it's, it's horrible, right? Or, but it's that I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And sometimes you're like, oh, I guess I'm not important anymore, right? It kind of hurts your pride. But then there's this other side where, like, where it comes to like potty training, where you want them to do it, right? I mean, where they're like, no, and you're like, you can do it, you can do it. Or helping your kids ride the bike or whatever it is. You know, because honestly, if we're all if we're honest, we as parents, we want our kids to be able to do it because we want them to be independent because we want them to leave eventually, right? I mean, we, when they're 30 and living at home, it's just weird. So, so we want them to leave. So we want them to get out and, and to actually walk in independence. And that's actually not hard for us. I mean, I think we're wired for independence. We're wired to be dependent on ourselves, to be able to do things. I mean, our country was founded on the Declaration of Independence, right? Like most of us, the goal is to be able to do it on our own. It certainly is in the culture in the United States that we can be self-made men and women, right? We can do it on our own. And that's fine. That's, that's great. It works well for parenting. And, and in many ways, it works well for our culture but the difficulty is, is when it sinks into our theology. That's where we start to run into problems, and that has not happened in any greater way than today's topic, which is this right here. God helps those who help themselves. Now, confession time, who said this before? All right. There's four people that are, that are, that are truthful here, and the rest of you are liars. Um, God helps those who help themselves. I've heard it, I've said it, we've seen it. It's interesting, this, uh, this doesn't even exist in the Bible. You can look in the prophets, it's not there. You can look in the sayings of Jesus, it's not there. Paul didn't write it. It's not in the, it's not in the Bible. We can't even look at the context of the passage today because it's not in the Bible. It's interesting, George Barna and his people did a study and found out that 68% of born-again believers believe this is in the Bible. 
of people in America believe it's in the Bible. Yet we can look all through the Bible. It's it's not in there. It doesn't teach this at all. So where did it come from? Because it obviously came from somewhere. There's obviously made it into our, our thinking somehow. Well, most people think this actually originated with one of the founders of our country, a guy named Ben Franklin. Did you ever hear of Ben Franklin? Yeah, actually, in Poor Richard's Almanac, the 1757 edition, Ben Franklin, there's a copy of it right there, down at the bottom, he says, however, let us hearken to good advice and something that may be done for us. God helps those that help themselves, as Poor Richard says in his Almanac of 1733. Now, they don't think, we don't necessarily know if Ben Franklin originated this on his own. He probably, it's possible that it came out of uh, maybe some Greek thinking. It could have came out of Aesop's fables. But the reality is there's a good chance in the United States that's because Ben Franklin said it, it made it into our culture. But here's the thing. Ben Franklin, I hate to break it to you, probably wasn't even a Christian. Ben Franklin was a deist. So he believed that there was a God, but he never believed that there was a personal God. He didn't believe there was a personal God you could have a relationship who cared about the affairs of the world. Ben Franklin thought that God was far off and he kind of let us do what we needed to do. And within that deism, obviously, if you have that framework, it makes sense that God will help me if I help myself, right? So that's what Ben Franklin said. And not only that, but you know what the problem with God helps, helps them who helps themselves? Not only is it like a deistic view of God, of a relationship with God, it also assumes privilege. It also assumes you have the ability to help yourself. What if you can't? What if you have a, what if you have a handicap? What if you have a, you know, you have a disability? What if you can't help yourself? What if you're not able to help yourself? Are we as Christians supposed to tell people when they can't help themselves, when they're in poverty, when, they're in pro- when they have problems in life? You know what? You go, if you help yourself, if you will try real hard, God will help you then, right? It's a fundamental misunderstanding of our relationship with God. Here's the significance of it. It reveals how we see our relationship with God. One theologian, one professor actually said it's the sixth sola of Christian Christianity. Now, maybe you don't know the solas. You know, there's, uh, there's sola, Torah, scripture alone, faith alone, Christ alone, grace alone, God's glory alone. Those are the five solas. And he called this sola, sola bootstrapsis. <laughs> that it's something that's been embedded in our, you know, are you with me? By your bootstraps alone right? Because that's what it means to be Americans, right? You pull yourself up by your bootstrap and you do it on your own. But the problem is, is what that says about our relationship with God. It means that if I first do things on my own, then God will, or perhaps even he'll be obligated to respond and cooperate with me. That's what Sola Bootstrapis says. It says, my relationship with God is conditional, and it's conditional upon me doing it and then him coming alongside and doing his part too, right? But that's not what scripture says. That's not what the good news of Jesus Christ is. In fact, it couldn't be anything different. In fact, the scriptures are very clear, and what we're gonna talk about today is it's not God helps those who help themselves, It's actually God's help begins at the end of yourself. God's help begins at the end of yourself. Now, 
as I've been doing the last six weeks, I don't have a passage that we look at to compare this. There is no context other than our culture, but we can look at scripture and see what God does say about how he helps us. So we're gonna do that this morning. I have a few things that I've seen as I poured over scripture this week. First of all, I see this. God helps those who can't help themselves. That's the heart of God. He helps those who can't help themselves. The prophet Isaiah says this, for you, that's God, have been a stronghold for the poor person, a stronghold for the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storms, and a shade from the heat. Psalm 68.5 says this, God in his holy dwelling is a father of the fatherless and a champion of the widows. That's God's heart. His heart is to help those who can't help themselves. Could you imagine, would you want to love a God who looked upon the fatherless, who looked upon the widow and said, you know what, you just gotta get it up. And you just gotta pull your bootstraps up. You just gotta get with it. Quit wallowing there as an orphan. Figure it out so, God, so I can help you. That's not a God I would want to worship. Another thing I see in scripture is that relying on ourselves rather than God is actually foolish. That's what the scriptures say. When you, when you get into a mindset where you rely on yourself rather than God, scripture says you're foolish. One place I see this is in, is in Proverbs 28, 26. The one who trusts in himself is a fool. It can't be more clear than that, can it? But one who walks in wisdom will be safe. If you get into the book of Proverbs, you'll see that these are the two people or the two, the two identities that are in Proverbs the whole time. The fool and the wise. And what you see in Proverbs is that wisdom, according to wisdom literature and scripture, wisdom only ever comes from God. It's impossible for a person to be wise without relying on God because he is the source of all wisdom. And then, if you don't do that, if you choose to trust in your own thoughts and your own wisdom, guess who you are? A fool. You're a fool. A fool is those who have rejected God in his ways, those who are un- unwilling, those who are unable to appreciate God and the wisdom of knowing and obeying him. If you just trust in yourself, Proverbs tells you you're a fool because you cannot have wisdom on your own. And there's another danger that scripture tells us about trusting in yourself, relying on yourself. It's very foolish. In fact, it's very dangerous to do so when you're relying on yourself when it comes to your own righteousness. When you rely on yourself for your own ability to have a right relationship with God. When Jesus was on the earth, he actually talked about this in a parable. And we find that parable here in Luke 18. It says this, starting at verse 9, he also told this parable to some of those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. We don't know anybody like that, do we? Right? They're all, I'm telling you, I think they all go to the other churches in town. Right? We're in a bad place if we start trusting in ourselves and look down and our righteousness and look down on other people. 
Jesus says, two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, one a expert in the law, one, of the, one esteemed within the Jewish culture, the other one a turncoat, somebody who sold out the Jewish people to work for the, Roman, to work for the Romans, to collect money from their own people and give it to the Romans who were inhabiting Israel. Nobody liked tax collectors. And the Pharisee, that's who people respected. And Jesus said this, the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Folks, I hope we don't ever pray like this. We think like this sometimes, right? Boy, so-and-so really needs to hear this message today, right? I thank you I'm not like other people. The greedy, the unrighteous, the adulterers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. I am a super Christian. Aren't you glad, God, that right now I'm praying to you? Aren't I good, right? None of us would ever think this way. You know where I find we do think this way? Is when things go wrong and our prayer to God is, God, why is this happening to me? Because don't you know that I'm not like those other people who would deserve this to happen to them? In fact, I do this, 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 and this, and this for you, right? We can fall into this category. And Jesus says, this is, this is somebody who trusts in themselves. But the other, the tax collector standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, This one went to his house justified rather than the other because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's clear. If you trust in yourself, especially in your own righteousness, you're not in line with God. It's not how God sees you. In fact, point number three, God in the Bible is very clear that everyone is spiritually helpless, not able to trust or help themselves. Look what Romans 3 says about your spiritual relationship with God, about how God sees your ability to be right with him based upon your ability to do it on your own. Maybe not. It says this, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. This passage that Paul is writing in the book of Romans, this actually he's drawing upon other scripture passages from the Psalms, other scripture passages from the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. So it's not just Paul writing a letter to a New Testament church. He's actually in this one section pointing to something that's across the whole counsel of God, which is when it comes to your spiritual ability to be right with God, you can't help yourself. In fact, you're helpless. If you can't actually believe this, he doubles down on it a little bit later in Romans 3.23 where he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All miss the mark. 
All are unable to do it on their own. All of us cannot ever reach a place where we can reach the place where we have the glory of God in us, where we seek his glory alone, where righteousness right with him alone is where we're able to go on our own. We can't do it. We're all on the same page. That's what scripture says. For us to be right with God, for us to to not fall short of the glory of God, that would mean that personally, we would be perfect in every way. We would have perpetual obedience to God in every aspect of our lives, that we would love God truly with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, with all our strength, that we would truly love our neighbor as ourselves. That what God requires of us, what he says it looks like to have in a perfect relationship with him, that we would do that all the time, 100% of the time. And he would say, and, and what he doesn't say we should do, what he says is against his law, against his righteousness, that we would never do it. It would never enter our minds. That would be what it would like be like if we could do it on our own, if we could do it ourselves. Scripture says we can't do that. In fact, we're helpless. No human being since the fall has been able to do this. And folks, listen, I know who I'm preaching to. I know some of you in the room, you know this. You know this. You're aware of this. But my guess is there was some time within the last seven days where you tried to do it on your own. Some point in the last seven days where you tried to do it on your own. There's some point in the last seven days where you beat yourself up because you weren't able to do it on your own. Some of you lost sleep last night because there's something going on in your life and you can't figure out how to possibly rise up from it and no no matter how hard you try, no matter how many hours you spend laying awake in bed, you can't figure out a way to get through it on your own. We live in a broken world and if we're honest, when we come face to face with that, we realize we're helpless. In fact, point number four says this, when it comes to our greatest need, when it comes to the greatest need we face of the rescue from our sin, from our sinfulness, from our brokenness, from the death that sin brings, when it comes to that, there is nothing we can do to help ourselves. There's nothing. Paul writes in Ephesians, this famous verse, it says, for you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's God's gift. It's not from works. It's not from you helping yourself. No, it's a gift from God. It's his one-way love. It's his unmerited favor, favor, so that no one can boast, so that no one can say, guess what? I helped myself halfway, and then God helped the other way. No, It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And guess what? The faith that you have was given to you by God. Because not even you yourself in your lost state could even come up in your heart with enough faith to accept the gift that he gave you. He gave you that gift of faith as well. Everything he gives is 100% him. And as we surrender and we receive that gift... That's it. As we grab that gift, 
We receive everything from him, not from yourself. Some of you, you know this. Some of you, you've been saved by grace through faith. And I know you have. And yet you live your life as if this verse doesn't exist. You walk through temptation, as we've, we talked about two weeks ago, and you, you've convinced yourself that you can control your habitual sin on your own. You've convinced yourself that you're able to come up with ways to work around your brokenness. You've convinced yourself that you can hide those broken parts of your life. You've convinced yourself that the people that you deal with that are also broken can be fixed by you. You've convinced yourself of that. Maybe you're like the Pharisee and you've convinced yourself that because my sins aren't like so and 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 so, that they need Jesus more than me. And you're puffed up and you think to yourself sometimes, if you're honest, boy, you know, I may not be perfect, but man, I know some people that their sin cards punched a whole lot more than mine. So even though this little sin is still around in my life, God's not worried about that because he has more important people to convict of sin. That doesn't happen, does it? You've never thought that way before, right? When it comes to our greatest need, when it comes to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, when it comes to the need for you to be saved by grace through faith, that your sins would be washed away by the blood of the Lamb, the only thing you can do is say that there's nothing I can do to help myself. I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Without God's help, in fact, Scripture tells us you only live for yourself. Maybe you have been saved. Maybe you understand this. Maybe this whole thing's been reviewed for you. But the reality is, is that sin could be translated as selfishness. And maybe you think to yourself, you know what, Dan? I got the fire insurance. I'm good. Right? I'm not going to hell. So what am I going to do the rest of my life? I guess I'm just going to, you know, kind of coast. I'm good. But what the scriptures tell us very clear is that if you are saved by grace through faith, and then you think that the rest of your Christian life is doing it on your own by yourself. The Bible is very clear that without God's help, you only live for yourself. Sin could be translated selfishness. We're wired towards selfishness. We're wired towards independence. In fact, the desire of yourself is yourself. It's just the way it is. And so what Paul tells us is that without God's help, You only live for yourself. In fact, he says the only solution for this is to walk by the Spirit. He says if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, specifically in Galatians, Paul's talking about sins of the flesh, the things that you will do that are self-evident. He says that you'll always walk by these. What Paul says, what scripture says, folks, I know this isn't fun to hear, but it's true, that if you try to live your life and do it yourself, that one way or another, your flesh, your nature, who you are without Christ, will bend you toward living for yourself, gratifying things that please yourself rather than God, and even though you're saved, you're basically a walking hypocrite who continues to live into sin. 
I know, you're glad you came today to hear all this good news from the church. So we can't have a mindset that I can do it myself. And so Paul says, you don't have to. This isn't how the Christian life's supposed to be lived. God's given you his spirit. Oh, by the way, he says elsewhere, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, hello. That power, that free gift from God lives in you. And that walk, that word walk, the Greek word could be translated, be controlled, be led by. As opposed to being walking by sight, be led by faith. If you really want to know what it's like to walk by the Holy Spirit, imagine taking a child and blindfolding them and then walking up behind them and have them step on your shoes and they only go where you go. They only rely on what you see. Their only awareness of every step in life is directed, controlled, and empowered by you. That's what Paul says you have the ability to do with the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Honey, listen, if, if we're going to, if we're gonna live as Christians, if we're gonna bring restoration to this, to this town that God's placed us in, if we're gonna be a light to the nations, if we're gonna see revival in our hearts and in this nation, if we're gonna be a church that truly brings good news of Jesus Christ to this world, we as Christians need to figure out that our lives are not about coming to church three hours a week and doing it on our own six days a week. We need to figure out what Paul is saying. We need to encourage one another. You all, this is a passion of mine. You have to understand that God has given you his Holy Spirit and it empowers you, and he's not some, uh, some force. He's not some forgotten about member of the Trinity. He's a person, and he wants a relationship with you, and he wants to reside in you. He wants to empower you. He wants you to give your life over to him, and him direct your thoughts, him direct where you go. He wants to speak to you, and he wants you to obey his calling on your heart and life so that you can reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, and that your life is made evident to those around you that you walk in a way that's different from this world. And it's not something we will ever be able to do by ourselves. If we want to be a church that does it by ourselves, you know what we'll do? We will not ever grow. We will not ever reach new people. We'll only baptize our children. You with me? But if we walk by the Spirit, if we realize that God's help, God, without God's help, we'll only live for ourselves. We'll be Christians who are saved. We'll be Christians who love the Bible, but we won't love Jesus. We'll be Christians that love the Bible, but we will not have a heart that's broken for the lost people that we know. We'll be Christians who know how to memorize scripture, but we don't know our neighbors' names. We'll be Christians who'll be more concerned about our kids' lunches when we pack them as we send them off to school than the kids who don't have lunches when they go to school. That's who we'll be. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. I don't want to be that kind of pastor. I don't think that has anything to do with what God's called us to do as his people. But I can tell you it is so easy for this guy right here. Don't worry about yourself. Just blame me for right now. It is so easy for me to preach a sermon 
and say, yeah, good job, pastor, and then go to work on Monday and just worry about all the things that are on my list rather than listening to the Holy Spirit. Call me and direct me so that I can live for Jesus and make a lasting impact on the people that I see every day. But without, without doing this, it's very clear. We're only gonna live for it by ourselves. We're gonna look at our agenda. We're gonna make it through the day. Then we're gonna get home. We're gonna get lunch or dinner for the kids. We're gonna get them to practice. We're gonna get them to bed. We're gonna wake up. We're gonna do it all over the next day. And that's gonna be our life over and over and over again. And then we'll look to the people that can't make it. We'll look to the people in our community that can't feed themselves. We'll look to the people that are lost, that are acting like, they're acting like lost people. We're gonna look at the news where we see people and there's, there's all the hot, hot button issues with human sexuality and, and, and people that don't agree with us politically and all of those things. And we're gonna look at those things and we're gonna say, you know what, I go to church on Sunday. I'm so thankful, God, that I'm not like those other people. I'm so thankful that I'm saved, sanctified, and I can't wait for you to come back, Lord. Please come back, because this world is so terrible. It's filled with terrible people. Please come back, Lord. I can't wait till you take, me, take this away from me. And in the meantime, God's saying up there, listen, they can't help themselves, and I've empowered you with the Spirit so that they know how to find me, because you lead them to me. You with me? And listen to me. I'm not trying to beat us up. I'm not. I'm preaching to myself as, long as, as well as I'm preaching to you. But folks, listen to me. I've grown up in the church my whole life. And I've seen two things happen in my life. First, I've seen Christians who really believe that the Christian life's about defeat. And yeah, they believe that Jesus died for their sins, but they think the rest is up to them and they're not living in freedom. They're not walking in power. And I've seen churches who are thankful to be where they're at and then have a nose that's snubbed to the outside world and say, you know what? It's a, it's a shame that they're, they're, not, they're going to hell. Sure glad I'm going to heaven. I can't be one of those Christians and I can't lead one of those churches. Can you? I can't. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God's help begins at the end of yourself. God's help begins when you say, I can't do it by myself. God's help begins when you're like that man who cannot lift his eyes up and even look to heaven when he prays and say, I am a sinner and I need you. There is somebody in here this morning who's trying to do this life by yourself. There's somebody in this room right now who knows that they have a problem, that there's something inside of them that continually pulls them away from the ways they're trying to walk. They're trying to live right. They're trying to be a good father or mother. They're trying to be a good employee, but there's something inside of them that they continue to be pulled toward. And it brings broken relationships. It brings hurt to themselves, hurt to their kids, hurt to their families. Hurt to their relationships and you're trying to do it by yourself and somewhere inside you, you know that you are just like that man and you understand the problem is, is that you're a sinner. I want you to know the good news of Jesus Christ is you don't have to do it by yourself. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he poured out his life on a cross and died for you. 
And if you would just this morning admit that, you know what, I am at the end of myself and I need you, you would begin a new life with him today. In fact, in a few hours, I'll baptize you. And we will celebrate. And you will begin to see what life is like on the other side of yourself. And then there's the rest of us. There's the rest of us that are here. We walk with Jesus. We believe in Jesus. But we're still trying to do something by ourselves. What is it for you? You trying to parent by yourself? Are you trying to parent by yourself? Are you trying to deal with the stress that you have right now in your job by yourself? How about your sin life? Can I talk about that as your pastor? Is there something you've promised God time and time again you'll never do again and you keep doing it by yourself? I know there's something for me, probably in all three categories. Are you dealing with aging by yourself? Things aren't what it used to be. You have friends that are going to see the Lord before you. You have loneliness in your life. You're struggling. Is there somebody here that's thinking about a conversation or even just what it's going to be like tomorrow and you're overwhelmed by it because if you're honest with me, you'd say, I'm trying to do it by myself. Solo boots drapus is not one of the key tenets of our faith. God helps those is not, who help themselves, is not anywhere in our scriptures. God helps those who help themselves, no. God's hope begins at the end of yourself. And if we walk in this church, we will have flowing from us a message that people need to hear. We will have grace for people knowing that they, regardless of where they're at, are still in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. They're still in a place where they need to learn that they need to be at the end of themselves to experience his goodness. We'll be effective as a church. We'll be effective in our lives. We'll walk by the Spirit. We won't have a way inside of us that keeps pushing towards ourselves. And we'll find joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. God's fruit will birth in our lives and in this church. So let's either on purpose or accidentally stop living this way where it's up to us. And let's grab a hold of his spirit and start living like we have nothing to offer, but his power in us gives us so much to offer. Would you pray with me? Father, I just ask that right now, as we are in prayer this morning, that we would remember as your people that God's help comes to those who can't help themselves. that we remember that relying on ourselves rather than you is just so foolish. That, Lord, our pride would get out of the way and we would realize that everyone is helpless spiritually 
that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And for those that are here this morning that have never said, you know what? I believe that. I'm living that. For those who have heard the good news of Jesus and that are willing to say, today I give up doing it on my own. Today I give up trying to live this way by myself. Today I surrender my life to you, Jesus. That they would do that. If that's you this morning, as the band plays this final song, I want to invite you to come up here. I'll be standing up front. No coercion. I'm not going to call more than once. I'm not going to pressure. But you know who you are. I'm telling you, at the end of yourself, if this is you, is a life so much bigger, is a love so much greater, is a joy, is a savior who gave himself for you. Lord, there's also people in here that are trying to do something by themselves right now. They're your child. They're filled with your spirit. And yet they're still doing it by themselves. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you up here too. I'd be glad to pray with you. You Say to yourself, Pastor, why do you invite people up here? Because I believe that the heart matches with the feet and if the effort is to get up and walk forward, that's one more step to freedom. It's one more way that the Holy Spirit and your heart join together and take a step towards the life-changing power of giving him control. So I want to invite you. Let's be a church that stops relying on ourselves and starts relying on him. Let's do it today. Father, help us. In Jesus' name. Amen.